Last week we started a series, and I don't know if you guys remember what last uh, week the name of the series is. Do you guys remember what it is? Don't put it yet. Don't put it. Do you guys remember what it is? Reach. Very good. All right. We started a series called Reach. And why did we start a series called Reach? Because we want to be a church that our heart is beating after those things that are important for God. And what are the things that are important for God? Say with me, people. Can we say that? People are important for God. All right. Are chairs important for God? Well, he wants us to be good stewards of the things that he's given us. Are buildings important to God? He wants us to be good stewards. But Jesus didn't die for seats. Jesus didn't die for a building. Jesus died for who? He died for people. All right? So in this series called Reach, we're talking about those things that are important to God. And I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever lost anything that until you find it, you're constantly thinking about that thing? Has that ever happened to you? You see, right now something happened to me last week, actually after this service when I got home, all right? I took off, all right, my wallet, my phone, my keys, all right, and I put them in my room, but something happened. I think those keys got some legs or something, but they walked out of the room, and till this day, I still don't find the keys to my car. I'm actually using the spare keys right now, all right? I've been thinking about this the whole week. I've been looking for the keys the whole week. I even went outside to the garbage just thinking maybe it just, you know, just jumped out the window, you know, and like Forky, you know, from the, from Toy Story, you know. I'm like, what happened? Where are my keys? You see, when you lose something, you don't rest until you find that. You're constantly thinking about it. It consumes your mind, right? Uh, you're constantly thinking, I, I need time because I need to look for this. Uh, And let me tell you something. Why is this important? Because I really believe that that's the way that God is. You see, there's some lost children that he has. There's some lost people that he loves, and he's constantly thinking about them. And if you and I have been part of the church for more than a month, all right, let me tell you something. He wants us to have that heart and that feeling as well, that we're constantly thinking about those things that are precious and important to him, such as people, all right? God's heart and mind is after that which is lost, people that don't know him yet. And last week, something very amazing happened in this place. I told you a little bit about it in my preaching, but I want you guys to see it up on a video because last week, our missions outreach actually took place in here. It was sort of like an inreach. I don't know if that exists, but, you know, we had people from the community come in here. People that are fostering kids, adopting kids. And we actually had the opportunity of serving these families and serving these children. And I want you guys to take a look up on the screen at some of the stuff that happened here last week. So here we could run with that.
All right. Can we put our hands together for Jesus for the lives that were touched last week? That's where that example that I told you about the little girl, I mean, the little boy seeing angels during the prayer, that's where it happened. All right. And we actually have these missions outings every first Saturday of the month. Every first Saturday of the month, you could be part of what we're doing to reach our community, just to do missions in our community. So you could show up here at 845 Saturdays, first Saturday of the month. All right. And this is actually something that Jesus modeled to us. This is not that I'm coming up with some great ideas. I'm just following the example of what Jesus did when he came here to earth. He came after the lost. He went looking for those that did not know him yet, that did not know God yet. And he chose his disciples, which were not the most likely candidates that he would have chosen. And those are the words I could use. Uh, they weren't the most religious they weren't the most studied. They weren't the best people. If you're starting a team and you're God and you need that, what you're going to do to continue on for 2,000 something years, I would have not picked these guys, but Jesus picked them. They didn't know him and he revealed himself to them. And one of those guys, his name was Peter. All right. And I like Peter. Because Peter just speaks his mind, you know, what he thinks. Sometimes he just blabs out things and makes no sense. You know people like that? I know a couple of Peters, you know, that sometimes they're saying things. I'm like, boy, what is he saying, you know? And Peter was a fisherman, all right? He wasn't, you know, a priest or, you know, a studied person. He was a fisherman. And one day, Peter had this amazing encounter with Jesus, all right? And if you have your Bible, it's in Luke chapter 5. Luke 5, verse 1 through 11. We're going to read that. So if you could go in your phone or in your Bible. And I'm going to make this pulpit grow a little bit. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. What did the fishermen do? They had just left their boats or washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, the owner, which that's Peter, all right, to push it out into the water. So he sat on the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter or to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to cash some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. They didn't even catch a cold. That's how bad it was. You know what I'm saying? They didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in to the, uh, in the other boats. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, pay attention, oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as there were others with him. 
His partner James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Now pay attention to this. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be what? Fishing for what? You will be fishing for? From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What an amazing story. This is such a cool story. You know, I remember when I saw this story in the, in the Jesus movie, you know, that, that came on TV a, a few years ago. You see, Peter was a fisherman and he had a fishing business. You know, he had the boats, he had the nets, he had employees, he had like the whole nine yards, you know, for, for fishing. Now, today, fishing is a little different, you know. Fishing is a little different. I mean, if you do it on a small scale, it's a little different. You know, I know that, you know, there's fishing businesses, you know, with these big boats and nets and cranes. You know, have you ever watched Deadliest Catch? Have you guys seen that? My wife loves to eat snow crab, and every time she gets those things, I'm like, you know how many people risk their lives for you to eat what you're eating right now? You know, those people go out there in the middle of storms, man, you know, like in Alaska and all that. You know, if you have a fishing business, that's how it is. But now, if you and I go fishing, it's a little different. And I brought a fishing rod here this morning. You see, look at this fishing rod right here. This fishing rod actually doesn't belong to me. This fishing rod is my daughter's, Hadassah. Hadassah loves to fish. She did not get that from me. She got that from my dad, from her grandfather. Uh, Hadassah bought this rod and I've taken her fishing and she's caught fish. She's done amazing fishing. And I remember when I was small, my dad would tell me, come on, let's go fishing. And we would go to the pier or we would go to like a bridge, something like that. Man, and we would spend hours, you know, and, and to the point, you know, when you're five, six, seven years old and you're just there sitting down, okay, we would never go in the sun. We would always go at night and just spend the whole night out there. And it would be like, man, I'm falling asleep. But it wasn't too much fishing that I enjoyed. I really enjoyed just spending time with my dad because we would talk about so many things, even as a little kid, that I think that somehow, somewhere, I'm like, all right, this fishing thing is cool. And when Hadassah wanted to pick it up, I'm like, man, go ahead. So we got her the fishing rod. We've gone out fishing and stuff like that. Now, fishing has an art because you don't only need this, you know, but you need bait or tackle, whatever you want to call it. And one of the things that I've noticed when I've gone fishing with, you know, with my dad and some people, they would get some of that bait and throw it into the water. They would call that chum to try to get the fishes to do what? To come. And I have a story about that, but I cannot get into that today because I, I will literally, you know, go away completely from the preaching. But you get that chum, you throw it in the water, you call the attention of the fish, they start coming, and then you get the bait, you put it on this at the end, and what do you do? You get this? Don't worry. Don't, I'm not going to get anybody here. All right? You pull back and then you throw. And then you wait. And wait. And wait. And wait some more. <laughs> now, if you're in a good spot, because that's another trick about fishing. Some of, some of you that know about fishing and know, already know the spots where the fishes are coming by because of currents and stuff like that. So I've had friends that, hey, you gotta go to this spot, man, and this spot, man, it's really happened. And you're just like all the time, like, you know, pulling in and pulling out. 
But the reality is that fishing takes time. There's an art to the whole thing of fishing. Jesus told Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. The title of my message today is Fishing for People. Fishing for People. You see, God wants to use us to do what? To fish for people. Now, as we look into this, you know, there's a question that comes to my mind because like, how do we fish for people? I know how to go and fish in the ocean. I know how to go fish in the lake. One time I went fishing in the Everglades in the middle of a big lake. And while I'm there fishing, I see this shadow all the way over there. I'm like, all right, it's time to move from this lake somewhere else, you know, because there was an alligator that was swimming out there, you know. And uh, and I had David and Hadassah with me. So I was like, okay, we got to go. All right. So four things that we could do in our daily lives that will help us fish people for Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about now. Because we're talking about reaching people. Right? How is it that I do it? How is it that I fish for people? What is this whole thing all about? Number one, I want you guys to write this down. Please take your phones. This is a church that we actually tell you to bring out your phones instead of put them away. All right? Bring out your phone or bring out your notebook or your notes or your Bible. I actually have a Bible that is full of notes. I would just sit there and write notes on the margin. Number one, first thing, to fish People, okay, accept the personal responsibility. Write that down. Accept the personal responsibility. We are all called, church, everybody in here. We are all called, okay, to win the lost. We are all called to be part of the harvest. Last week I read a scripture, and if you were not here last week, I'm just going to go over this real fast, but in Matthew chapter 9, Verse 35 and on, it says that Jesus was traveling through the towns, through the villages, right? And he was teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And it says, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This is a year of compassion here in Newman. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's the condition in which he saw the people. That has not changed in 2,000 years, all right? So Jesus said to his disciples, verse 37, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. Church, I want to tell you something this morning. The solution to the problem that the people have in the condition that they find themselves in is not a better president, right? A lot of times we think that our help is going to come from Washington. It's not a better economy. It's not better jobs. It's not a better uh, army. It's none of those things. It's not having better international relations. It's not having a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger bank account. None of those things are the solution to the problems that we face in this world today. You know what's the solution to the problems that we face in this world today? Look next to you. Look the other way. You and I are the solution to the problems that this world faces today. You and I. Jesus saw that the harvest was plentiful. 
And he said to his disciples, you know what? Pray that more workers will be sent in into the harvest. They're hopeless. They're confused. But you guys have answers. You guys go. You guys go help them. And I want to tell you something in this first point because I'm talking to you guys that we all have, you know, to accept a personal responsibility. I want to tell you that we all have a personal harvest. You have a personal harvest. I have a personal harvest. There's people that can't be reached except by you. There's people that I'm never going to be able to reach because they are in your field. They are in your harvest. You have been called by God to reach those people. You have been called by God to those fishes. That's your pond. You're called to those people. But pastor, it's hard, you might say. You know, I don't know if if they're going to listen to what I have to say. Well, that goes to the second point in this teaching this morning. The second point of how I become a fisher, all right, of people. Number two, develop a personal relationship with them. Develop a personal relationship with them. I want to tell you something, guys. Before you win their soul for Jesus, you got to win their hearts and their trust. I'm going to say that again. Before you win their soul for Jesus, you got to win their trust. you got to win their heart. I had a teacher back in school that would tell me, I was working with youth back then. I was a youth pastor. And he would say, you have to earn the right to be heard. You can't just go into somebody's life and tell them everything you think. you got to earn that right in a person's life. You see, last week I went to a baseball game with Milton. You know, we went to the game... Uh, I was going to enjoy the baseball game. I didn't know I was going to go pray for the Marlins because how bad we were doing this year, you know. And then the Dolphins started their season last week, and I need to pray more for those guys. We're going to do a whole prayer vigil just for the Miami teams, you know. UM won yesterday against Bethune-Cookman. Who in the world is that? But anyways, Jesus, the Miami teams. So we get to the baseball game with Milton, and uh, and we go into our row, and there's this guy sitting in the front row that when we go in and he sees Milton, he turns around and he goes, Milton? And Milton called him out. What's his name? Rob? Robbie. And, 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 and Milton's like, Robbie? And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. What are you doing? And I'm like looking at this conversation. You know, I'm like, oh, these guys know each other. It's pretty cool. Milton, listen to this. When he sits down, he had been telling me about Rob for a while already. You see, Rob is a guy that Milton has been talking to at the gym while they play basketball for about six years now. And during these six years, Rob has seen certain things in the life of Milton, miracles take place. Milton has prayed for Rob when Rob has gotten hurt. And the next few days, he's been playing like if nothing happened. And he's like, wow, your God answers prayer. Now, there's something very interesting about Rob. He is Native American. So his ancestors from the Miccosukee tribe, they worship all these different type of things of the land and, and all these things. And here Milton comes and he starts talking to Rob about Jesus. And when Milton walks in into the stadium and he sits behind Rob and Rob sees him, he goes, man, this has to be your God. This has to be your God. This has to be God. I can't believe that. Of all the seats in the stadium, you are sitting here behind me. You see, Rob is starting to notice something. Because <laughs> there's a relationship that has been built. He's starting to see that the God that Milton is preaching to him about, that God is pretty powerful, man. 
that God is doing some pretty crazy things because there's 35,000 seats in that stadium. Most of them are all empty, all right? And Milton and I sit in the one that is behind that dude. Can you imagine? And all this time, Milton has been just, you know what, developing a relationship, a personal relationship, a personal relationship. And Milton's like, Pastor, he's about ready to come now on Sunday morning. He's about ready to come. What has Milton been doing? He's been chumming the waters. He's been getting the waters ready because he's going to do what? Bring Rob to who? To Jesus. Because God has been looking for him. Because Rob is important to the heart of God because Jesus died for Rob. So what God wants to do is he wants to use Milton because Milton has a relationship with him as an instrument. You guys understand what I'm saying, where this whole thing is going? The third thing, to fish people for Jesus. Number three, write this down. Share your personal story. And I love this one. Share your personal story. The best advertisement for Jesus in this world is not done through Facebook or through Instagram. (laughs) The best advertisement for Jesus is a changed life. If your life changes, let me tell you something. If you get excited about Jesus and what he's doing in your life, let me tell you something. All your friends and all your world are going to hear about it. Because whoever you talk to, you're going to tell them about this God that has just started to work in your life, has started to change your life. And now something about your story, okay? Sometimes it's not too pretty. Sometimes it's not too organized, all right? But it's your story about God. Now, I want to tell you something this morning, church. You could be talking to an atheist that says, I don't believe in God, but you tell that person, but this is my story. They could refute God, but they can't refute your story because that's your story. So you want to talk to an atheist about God, but they don't want to hear about your God? Tell them, okay, you want to hear about my story? I'm going to tell you what the God that you don't believe in has done in my life. I really believe that this is the season that even people that say that are atheists are starting to come into the kingdom because God's heart is after them as well. Whatever it takes, remember last week's preaching? Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. The story, okay, that you have with God is called your testimony. Can you say that with me? Testimony. Your story with God is called your testimony and it's the most powerful tool. It's the most powerful rod that you can use when you're fishing for people. Bring them to Jesus. You see, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that the church was able to defeat the enemy by the power of the blood of the Lamb, listen to this, and by the word of their testimony. Jesus defeated the devil 2,000 years ago upon that cross, and that victory is yours and mine. But daily in our life, we remember what he's done for us. We remember when we were broke and a miracle came and we were able to pay the rent. We remember when we were lost and all of a sudden somebody came to us and reached us for Jesus. We remember all the things that he's done for us. And that testimony and that power of the word, let me tell you something. I'll keep you going, I'll keep you going, I'll keep you going. Because you know that God is real and that he's involved in people's lives. I remember one day I was with my nephew and a couple of friends 
and we were in Bayside and we didn't know the Lord and we were going on the party boat and we were talking about what girl we were going to hook up with and what we were going to do after that. We were going to go to South Beach and hang out. And I remember that all of a sudden these two guys and a girl with a guitar come up to me and they're like, can we sing you a song? And I said, excuse me? Like, can we sing you a song? And I go, how long is the song going to be? Because I got to get in that boat. There's some girls that walked in there and I need to get in that boat. There is only like about four minutes. And I remember sitting in front of bubblegum shrimp. There was some dude with some parrots that was right there. I think that dude is still there, man. Parrots live like 800 years. I don't even know. Man. And that, I sat on a bench, me and a few of my friends, while this girl and two guys sang over us. I was 17 years old. And when they finished singing, they go, can we pray for you? And I'm like, how long is that going to take? It's about one minute. I'm like, okay, go ahead and pray. And those people prayed over my life. You see, even before I could do anything for God, he was already coming after me. The Bible says, with cords of love, I have drawn you to me. God was already loving on me. I was lost as lost could be. Sunday, come to church. Sunday's for football. Sunday's football day. And after that, we're going to go to the park and practice some of the things that we saw in the game, you know? Come to church. Wake up. Man, I got to wake up five other days super early in the morning. I'm not going to wake up on Sunday. Somebody's testimony. Somebody's story with God. Because after they prayed, they said, can I share my story with you? I'm like, listen, lady, you've asked me for three things already. You asked me if you could sing a song. You sang your song. You asked me if you could pray for me. You prayed for me. Now you want to tell me a story? I'm like, that boat's going to leave, and I have a ticket to that boat. She shared her testimony. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I was in that boat. I didn't have the fun that I wanted to have because I was thinking, about the story that that lady told me. I was like, man, I got to go look for that lady. She just messed up my groove tonight. Can't party the same way tonight. Lady telling me some crazy story about her and God. Getting all excited up here, man, because you remember these things. You remember these things. You see, because God was sending people to reach for me. And the last thing of how to fish people for Jesus Number four, give a personal invitation. Give a personal invitation. You see, number one, you take your personal responsibility. Number two, you build relationship with them. And number three, I'm telling you, you share your story with Jesus. Number four, you give a personal invitation. I want to share two statistics that blow my mind. Number one, 90% of people that have given their life to Jesus in the United States has happened at a church service. 90% of people that have given their life to Jesus in the United States has happened in a church service. 90% of people. And the majority of those come through who? They come through a family member. They come through a friend that is living out their experience with Jesus, that they say, hey, man, what's going on? No, man, you got to come. You got to come and see what God is doing. This is the other statistic. 70% of people say they would go to church if they would be invited. 70% of people say, oh, I would go to church and nobody's invited me. 
And now you want to talk about Miami? In Miami, 96% of the people in Miami are unchurched. 96%. It's the second most unreached city in the whole nation. Church, we got some work to do. We got some work to do. And I want to tell you something. If you're here this morning, I want to tell you that if you bring a guest to Numa Church, we're going to do our best to make sure that they encounter Jesus. We're going to do our best to make sure that they don't see us, but see him. You see, God changed everything in the Bible. I'm closing this morning. God changed everything in the Bible to make room for the outsider, for the person that was not part of it. The Bible said that there was a moment in the book of Acts that Peter has this vision. The same Peter that Jesus said, I will make you into a fisherman. This Peter is praying up on a roof and he has this vision. And while he's having this vision, God is telling him, through that vision that he was opening a doorway for a group of people that did not know him called the Gentiles. Who were the Gentiles? All those that were not Jewish. And while he's having that vision, the Lord tells Peter, Peter, there's a couple of guys downstairs. Just go with them. They were Roman soldiers. And Peter goes with those guys into the house of a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius was in charge of a whole cohort. And while he's there talking to Cornelius, a Jew could not enter the house of a Gentile, but God was making a way for the outsider. While he was there and Peter starts talking to them about his faith, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came upon them. You see, God's heart is after those that don't know him. He, his heart is after the outsider. And guys, I want to tell you something. I don't know if you guys have noticed some of the adjustments that we've been making here in Numa Church, in these services in the, in the morning. We've been making some adjustments here because we want to make sure that whoever walks through those doors, they encounter Jesus. Whoever walks through those doors, they encounter Him. For example, I'm going to give you a funny example, man, but we start our service at 10 a.m. We have like three people sitting here. I mean, this is not, nothing on you guys, but I'm just going to challenge you. Okay, 10 o'clock, we start the service, the English service. 12 o'clock, we start the Spanish service. Service is going for about an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes now. So if you walk too late, man, you might miss the whole thing. Last week, actually, it was funny. There were some people in the second service that were dropping off those kids next door. And when they dropped off their kids, they came in here. I was already doing the invitation, and they just walked back and picked up their kids, and service was over. What am I trying to tell you? We're making some changes because we need to make room for the outsider. Because God's heart is after those that don't know him yet. How many parents here? How many parents, 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 parents? How many of you as parents, your life changed completely when you found out that you were pregnant or that your wife was pregnant? Everything changed. You had to make room. You had to make room. Some of the furniture you had, you had to get rid of. You needed to bring other furniture in. You needed to wake up at times that you never thought you would wake up. You needed to... Eat at times you never thought you would eat, even if you got the opportunity to eat. Because sometimes you miss that opportunity now when you're a parent. Woman's body, it starts to change because your body starts making room for something that God is doing inside. We need to get ready. We need to get ready. We need to get ready. Because there's some people that God is looking at and they're not here. You see, we're already part of what he's doing. But the Bible says that he had 99 sheep and he lost one. And what did he do? He said, the 99 are okay. Let me go and look for the one. 99% 
okay, of effectiveness is not enough for Jesus. 99% is not enough. He's thinking about the one. He's thinking about the one. He's thinking about the one. Let me ask you something, church, as I bring this to a close. How many of you guys have family members that do not know Christ yet? Raise your hand. How many of you guys have friends that do not know Christ yet? Raise your hand. I think most of us here. I declare in the name of Jesus that those prayers you've been lifting up for people, this is the time where he's going to start answering those prayers. Those people that you've been inviting to church, I declare this is the moment that they're going to receive that invitation. Last week I stood up here in this pulpit and I said, church, I ask you to, before this year ends, that you would bring two families or invite two visits into this place. Why? Because there's a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And we want to help you with that. I have two cards in my pocket, these two cards. You guys know them. We've been giving them out for years now. All right? But in one card, okay, it's called act of kindness card. This is for you to give to people out in the street, that you would be kind, that you would pay for somebody's coffee in line, that, you know, you would, whatever, you know, help an old lady with her bags on the way to her car in Publix, whatever it is, and that you would give them one of these acts of kindness cards. It says just a little extra to let you know that God loves you. And right in the bottom is all the information of Numa Church, everything that they need, the address, the phone number, everything. We have these there in the Welcome Center. Just take a bunch. And then this... Ten people that I want God to bless. And you write their name here. And these are people that you're praying for. These are people that you're praying for. These are people that you want to invite to church. These are people that you want reached for Jesus. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I want to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads this morning. Close your eyes, bow your heads in this place. I want to pray this morning. You're watching online. Just join us in this prayer right now. Lord, we want to do those things that are dearest to your heart, God. And we know that the most important thing that he got to you right now is still those, my God, that are not here. Those that have not walked in yet. Those that don't have a relationship with you yet. And Lord, today my prayer is that you would use me, that you would use us, that you would use all of us in this room or watching through that camera to reach our families, Lord. To reach our friends, God. Those that are near to us. Those that we have influence over. That those may come, Lord God, when we give an invitation, whether it's an invitation to come to church, whether it's an invitation to know you, Jesus, that they would come and they would fall in love with you as they experience your goodness, Lord. Your word says that it's your goodness that draws man. Your goodness, your goodness, your goodness. And right there with your eyes closed and head bowed, there might be people here this morning or watching online. And you received an invitation to come here today. Maybe a friend, a family member. You see, it was God through that person because he wants to start a relationship with you. You see, he loves you. 
And the way to start that relationship with him is through Jesus, through God's only son. And if you are here today, you invite Jesus into your heart. The Bible says that your sins will be forgiven and you become a son or daughter of God. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. No more is God on the outside. Now God is on the inside and he gives you the gift of eternal life. There's no better way for you to leave this service this morning and start a new week than to know that you are a son or you're a daughter of God. So you've never done this before. I'm going to ask you to follow me in this prayer in which I'm going to lead you right now. And you just say, Lord Jesus, today I want to invite you to come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I ask that you would forgive all my sins. As I run into your arms, take me and don't let me go. Take me by the hand into the arms of the Heavenly Father. And Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And that I can live my life here on earth for the purposes that you have for me. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen.